are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today is January 3rd, 2022, our first show of 2022. Happy New Year. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez. Joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. It is Mailbag Monday. We are just a little under three months away from when Opening day is supposed to be happening, and today we'll be spending this entire show answering as many of your questions as we can. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We'd greatly appreciate it. So before we get into the questions that you submitted on Twitter, let's head on over to our email, LockedOnMariners at gmail.com, where we got a couple of questions, two from Cole and one from Sean. Let's start with Cole whose first question is uh, pretty simple. Can you get an accurate estimate of a team's record by adding up everyone on their 26-man rosters war and how uh, and have that be how many games they won? So, Colby, are you able to pretty much... The, the question is asking, are you able to accumulate every single player's war that played for that particular team and get to their win total when you add it all up? It'll give you a rough idea give or take and we need to remember that a team of zero war is uh, about 42 is about a 43 win team um that's that's the baseline uh worst team in history was 42 and 120 so 43 is considered the baseline of a zero war team uh you can get pretty close but it's going to ebb and flow by a couple wins here and there i mean for example this last year the mariners team you know were they going to equal 90 wins on war? They might be close, but no, they're not. Uh, sometimes, you know, things can't be explained mathematically. Uh, the, you know, the sum is greater than uh, the parts or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so no, it won't give you an exact readout, but it will give you a pretty good idea um, of the range that they should have been in based on how they played. And so uh, it will, it'll give you a pretty accurate, but it won't be exact, at least not always. Yeah, it's not going to be, you know, the 40 or so guys that make their way through the roster, 50 or so guys. How many ends up being due to injury and all that stuff? Um, I mean, this year, I think it, they used it's like not 60 going to be, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not going to exactly, you know, with the Mariners, let's use them for example here. They're not exactly going to all, all just uh, add up to 90 wins exactly or, you know, 90.3 or 89.8 or what have you, right? Um, it's not going to be perfect to the, to where you can round it all up or, or anything like that. It's, um, it's like Colby said, some things in baseball just can't be mathematically explained. <laughs> and I think again, talking about, you know, the Mariners and using this last year's team, uh, as an, as an example is kind of a prime indication of that, right? Like it's just, it's kind of a, one of those inexplicable things that just doesn't make any sense, but it happened. 
And that's kind of the beauty in baseball is that even even with all the uh, numbers and everything that we have right now, some things are just, you know, up in the air. <laughs> it's true. Um, I just did a quick look up real fast. Uh, and uh, well, the Mariners hitters uh, accumulated 11.5 uh, F4. Mm-hmm. And the pitchers accumulated fourteen point three. So you add that up, and you get sixty eight point eight, which is honestly yeah. about where we probably thought the Mariners were going to be, somewhere between sixty eight and seventy five. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the answer is no, not always, and very rarely, in fact. But uh, yeah, again, so more or less twenty one wins off where yeah. they actually wound up. Right. And that just that just shows you right there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a very useful stat, but we've said this before. We'll say it again. War is not the end all be all. It's yeah, it's extremely useful. It's the one it's my go to. Uh, I I trust it. But that doesn't mean that it just, you know, it's not as easy as just plug and and, and play. Um, I mean, same thing with like run differential. People love to use run differential, but it's not great. It's it, mm-hmm. it can give you an idea of how good a team is, but it's not going to tell you what their record is. Uh, for example, the, mm-hmm. the Mariners by run differential were should have gone 76 and 86. They went 90 and 72. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still a lot we don't yeah. know about. Uh, pretty much the uh, the 2021 Mariners broke all these uh, <laughs> all these things, <laughs> all these constructs, basically. Sure. <laughs> yep. So. uh Cole's other question is uh, another pretty simple one. Who do you think will be a better all-around player in their whole career, Julio or Jerry Kelnick? I'm going to go... Even though that Jared's uh, career hasn't gotten off to the best start, I'm going to stick with where my stance was last year uh, at this time when we were asked similar questions like this. Um, Jerry Kelnick. Because he's a, he's a five-tool player all around, just a better player. Uh, I think he, well, I, I think Julio is going to be amazing. I think Julio is probably going to compete for MVPs and stuff. Um, I just think all around Jared is probably going to be the better overall player. Bobby. I'm going to take Julio. Um, Ooh, so yeah, it changed diff- for you. Yes, it's, it's a change for me. Um, Jared Kelnick has gotten so muscular and, and stiff almost that I don't have any confidence that he can play, you know, a good center field. And that was kind of what we were expecting, uh, you know, before he was called up was a, an above average 55, 60 grade center fielder. And he's just not that that doesn't mean he won't be a 50, you know, but Julio's not a center fielder either. So if neither one are center fielders and, you know, Kelnick's not going to steal a ton of bags, he'll steal a few, uh, but Julio can steal bags too. He's a pretty good base runner. So if it comes down to basically for me, who do I think is more likely to hit Julio? So, um, mm. but you know, that's, that's a great problem to have and a, and a fun question to, uh, to tackle because there yeah. is no wrong answer. They're both, you know, MVP, MVP level like upside. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good problem to have, but I'll take Julio, um, which is a change yeah. for me of, of about 12 months. Ago. I, I, I still believe in the defense for Jared. Um, and I still think there's time to turn that around and I'm not super discouraged by what we saw, uh, even though, uh, at times it was a little bit of an adventure, but we'll see, he, we'll see how it goes. He got, he got to a lot of balls. They just didn't mm-hmm. end up in his glove, <laughs> which is seems yeah, fixable, yeah. but also eh, maybe just 
catch the ones that you get your glove on, Jared. But uh, no, I, I think both are going to be pretty good in corners, though. So, uh, yeah, I'm still high on Kelnick. Thank you for the question, Cole. Let's move on to Sean here, who has also a pair of questions um, that he wants to ask. He says, hey, guys, thanks for answering my question the other week. Was listening to my car again. Hello, Sean, and hello, Sean's car. Uh, first question is, do you think Jerry will ever make a trade with the Angels? Yes. Um, yeah, probably eventually, but eh, who knows? <laughs> but probably eventually it'll happen. Yes. It's bound to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Sean's main question is uh, regarding George Kirby's overall outlook. Do the Mariners see him being a long term rotational slash ace like player? Or can you see him being a trade piece when the lockout comes to an end? He's young and has a high ceiling. Could you see him being traded in a re- into a rebuilding team for a solid infielder slash gadget player? The Mariners could use some major upgrades in multiple positions. Thanks, guys. Go M's. Sean. Um, the Mariners love George Kirby. And, you know, we talk all the time about how there's probably no untouchables in the Mariners farm system. Realistically, there, no one is really untouchable. But George Kirby, along with Julio Rodriguez, is one of those few guys who's basically virtually untouchable to the Mariners. So, uh, yeah, uh, they really like him. I don't know if he's an ace. I don't know if that's a ceiling. I think he's going to be a very good high end, too. You know, and you've heard Colby and I, if you've listened to the show a bit, you've heard us use those terms, which is a, a really good pitcher. That's top 20, 30-ish pitcher in baseball if he's a high-end number two. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of what his ceiling is. I don't know if he's an ace, but um, yeah, they they love him. And um, I, I don't think that he would be traded for anything that isn't bringing in pretty much a superstar for the Mariners. Yeah, I... To me, Kirby, I would be more shocked if they traded George Kirby than if they traded Jared Kelnick. Um, mm. I, I think, you know, I don't think they're trading either of those guys, and I really doubt they're trading anybody inside their top five uh, this winter. Um, so, no, I, and I, I don't know. Kirby's got some pretty good upside if the velocity can stick um, because we saw it in spurts in, in 2021 and the, and the command didn't suffer at all. So he could be an ace, but what's more likely is he's going to be a really a really strong number two, um, and that's the hottest commodity in baseball right now. It, so you have to get a superstar mm. and then some um, to, to consider trading Kirby or Gilbert. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say no. He's not going to he's not going to trade him, um, but uh, you know at least not this winter. Maybe next winter, but uh, there's just not really anybody out there that is worth George Kirby. Um, because we don't right now, yeah, yeah, we don't think Jose Ramirez is on the block, and even if he is, you can probably get him without giving up Kirby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just nobody out there that I would trade Kirby for. So I would be absolutely shocked if he got dealt uh, this winter. All right, so thank you for the questions, Sean. We got more questions on the way from the Twitter side of things. We'll be reading those in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder: this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better. 
than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring by like week three, you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars even contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Meanwhile, compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Now, here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. We're going to try to get to as many of your Twitter questions as we possibly can on today's show, but we're probably going to have to save a few for Wednesday show, which is totally fine. So if you don't hear your question answered on today's show, be sure to tune in on Wednesday and we will be sure to get to there. So let's start with AJ Allen at AJ Allen PDX. Outside of the obvious sign Trevor Story and or Chris Bryan and trade for a sunny gray level pitcher, what is a realistic move you want to see the Mariners make? Colby, you want to kick us off here? Sure. Um, I would like to see the Mariners acquire, and I think this is a different answer than what many are expecting. I would like to see them acquire a pitcher who can, who has experience pitching both in the rotation and out of the bullpen. Um, Dang, that was as, my answer. Oh, as kind of the number <laughs> six guy. We talked about this on CTZ. You can subscribe by going to patreon.com forward slash backslash mm-hmm. control the zone. I always forget which slash it is. Um, you guys know what's up. Uh, but yeah, I, I think somebody like Ryan Yarbrough makes a lot of sense. You know, you can put him in the back end of the rotation and if you acquire Sonny Gray or, or if George Kirby just wows you and he's up in June or whatever, you can push Yarbrough to the bullpen where he's very comfortable pitching out of so somebody like that. Um, Caleb Smith is another one. So I'd like to see him grab somebody like that. Uh, just, you know, a good mm-hmm. solid number five slash six starter who can pitch out of the bullpen and, and give you something. Um, all right, so since that was uh, that was kind of going to be my answer, I'll go outfield. Uh, we've talked about the importance of adding to your outfield a lot on the show, pretty much ad mm-hmm. nauseum. So apologies for having this discussion again if you are a regular listener of the show. But, uh, yeah, the Mariners need to get better in the outfield. They need to get deeper in the outfield. They need stability in the outfield. So anyone out there who could possibly give them any sense of stability out there, um, is welcome in my book. Uh, so Michael Conforto, if you want to go for some upside uh, along with stability, that would be great. That would be fantastic. I would be over the moon with uh, with that kind of move. Uh, say a Suzuki would be a lot of fun. I'm sure some of you know how I'm a little hesitant on that front just because he hasn't played at the major league level. And I don't think that's uh, you know a sure thing whatsoever, even though all signs point to him being at least an average major league outfielder. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the idea is just add, 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 add to the outfield, uh, really no matter what, um, 
and no matter who it is, but uh, you know, I, I'd like for them to uh, to get some stability and get someone there that they can rely on a bit better than uh, Kyle Lewis or Jake Fraley or what have you. So we have we have another question from Ryan Witt uh, that kind of um, asks a similar question at Ryan uh, Ryan underscore Witt seven. If uh, you could make three moves after the lockout as GM, two being bigger moves and one smaller move, what would you do? So um, I would uh, obviously I'm adding either Chris Bryant or Trevor Story. I think you kind of just have to. Uh, you need to get another pitcher. So whether that's Sonny Gray or Frankie Montas, um, those are probably my two bigger moves. I think those are s- still the most important, even though that outfield is really important. One smaller move would one smaller move uh, would, would would Kevin Kiermaier uh, count as a smaller move because he I mean he's not yeah, super exciting. So. Okay, so I'll I'll do that. I'll say Kevin Kiermaier. Great for Kevin okay. Kiermaier. Um, assuming some form of realism is required here, um, I'm going to sign Trevor Story and, and not feel great about it, and then I'm going to sign Michael Conforto and feel really good about it. Um, mm-hmm. And then for a smaller move, I'm probably going to go ahead and trade for Ryan Yarbrough um, and put him in the okay. rotation as, yeah. as my number five. And then that way when Kirby or whoever, Brash, uh, I mean, I'd rather have Sonny Gray, but I would count him as a third big move. So I'll say trade for Ryan Yarbrough. So we both have trades with the Rays <laughs> at the end. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It hasn't happened yet. It needs to. It it, mm-hmm. it can't be a Mariners offseason without one trade. With Remember the, uh, when they Tampa didn't Bay trade Rays. with them in like 2019? God, that was weird. It was really strange. Really strange. So, uh, yeah. All right. Thank you for the questions, AJ and Ryan. Let's move on to uh, Ryan Fralick now at Ryan D. Fralick. Who asks, uh, does J.P. Crawford have any hope of staying the coolest Mariner after Julio Rodriguez gets called up? I mean, they are pretty dang cool, both of them. Uh, Julio's uh, Julio's got a lot of swag to him, has a lot of fun, obviously. Um, J.P.'s got those visor man. sunglass things that he wears all the time. Yeah. 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 Julio's, Julio's got to have like some like equipment swag. Which I know, I know he does oh. a bit. Like he wears the wristbands and all that stuff. Like uh, he's got to, but he's got to find a way to top JP on that front because JP has some pretty cool uh, equipment swag, you know. Um, man, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's gonna be tough for JP because because uh, Julio's, Julio's got it going on. Swaggy man, gold chains. Yeah. I think one of them says Julio. Like, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, in a past life, JP is clearly a skateboarder slash surfer who lived on the California beaches. Um, <laughs> that's clearly JP's vibe, and and uh, I can appreciate it. But Julio is just like, I mean, whew, that's gonna it's gonna be real tough for JP. That's all I'll say. Um, Julio will yeah will gun for that title pretty hard. And, and I mean, hey, you know, Julio's got his own show, so like, mm-hmm. sorry, JP. Maybe you can maybe JP can go on Julio's show and they can have a swag off. I don't know. Yeah. Don't By know the way, really underrated, like, you know, really under underrated swag on the Mariners roster right now. Kyle Ty France. Oh. Ty, <laughs> Ty France has got some underrated swag. I'll say that. I think you're falling in love with the one time you wore a mic and you're like, oh, he's a personable guy. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, you know, how he rocks like his uniform and sleeve everything and all that. Yeah. 
compression sleeve, sleeve. He's got the the you know couple top buttons unbuttoned on his jersey. Like, I mean, it's not Danny Valencia swag, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. Ty, Ty France, yeah. Ty France knows what's up. All right, so uh, appreciate the question, Ryan. Let's move on to Curtis at Courtesy Baseball. Is the idea of trading for Craig Kimbrell to form a Super Bullpen a good idea? For the right price, of course, our current relievers will almost certainly regress next year and strengthening a strength could build a bullpen like the Royals World Series teams. Thanks, guys. So uh, this is kind of an interesting topic, but ultimately my answer is no, because I think the the right price for the Mariners is ultimately not going to be the right price for the for the White Sox in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. I think at that point they would just rather keep Kimbrell. Um, and I don't think that the Mariners necessarily need to add anyone big because they're already getting a they're already adding a big piece in Ken Giles that they didn't have last year. So I, I think that's a huge thing. I think that's a, a big thing that a lot of Mariners fans kind of overlook here is that Ken Giles is a huge deal uh, in what they're adding there. I mean, that's their that's going to be their closer, their eighth inning guy. He's going to need to be one of their high leverage guys, adding in to, you know, adding to Drew Steckenrider and Paul Seawald and Diego Castillo. Um, that's a That's just a huge get for them. Um, so also adding, I don't think they need to do that. I do agree that like some of the guys probably will regress. I think that's something that you have to prepare for and plan for because bullpens, that's how they are. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that you need to take a huge swing. I would like to see the mad, maybe an arm or two over the course of the soft season when the lockout eventually ends. Uh, but I don't think that they need to be uh, aiming for anyone like Kimbrell. Um, especially for the price that it, it, it would probably take for for the White Sox to uh, give them up. Right. And, and I mean, plus there's the contract, which I mean, the Mariners have money. Don't get well, me that, wrong. Well, that's but, the point too, right? Is like how much right. money can you get taken off of that? And and for me, I don't think the White Sox would want to do what the Mariners would ultimately ask for. Uh, what is Kimbrell, like 15, front. 16 million? I mean. It's 15 million, I believe, yes. Yeah, they'd probably yeah. have to eat like half of that for me to be interested at all. Um, plus, don't, yep. if there's one thing you trust this regime to do, isn't it go out and find a good bullpen arm on the cheap? Yeah, um, Jerry's exactly. proven he can build bullpens. So, I mean, uh, literally yeah. turned Paul Seawald from nothing into one of the best relievers in baseball last year. Right, um, Drew Steckenrider was a top thirty reliever in baseball after being pretty much irrelevant for three years. Um, Casey yeah, Sadler, they claimed know. off of waivers, like Casey yeah. Sadler, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I hope I hope they add. I would like to see them add somebody like Colin McHugh. That'd be a really fun arm to add. Um, Andrew Chafin, maybe. Um, Jake Diekman. Like I would Rex like to Brothers. see them add. Yeah, like somebody who's going to get three, four million bucks. Like that'll be fine. And then they'll take their shots like they always do. But uh, yeah, I'm not worried about the bullpen. You're getting Giles. You're getting Munoz. And they're going to regress. That's going to happen, of course. But hopefully your starting pitching is better. It is. And hopefully your offense is better. Should be. And it'll take some of the uh, some of the weight off of the bullpen because they did falter a little bit down the stretch. And who could blame them? All right. So let's move on to Hunter here at Hunter Porton, who asks prediction for first signing and first trade for the Mariners after the lockout. Well, if uh, if we're just going off of what the last bit of rumors were heading into the lockout and take that as as what comes first for the Mariners coming out of the lockout, which probably won't be the case, but I'm just going to go with the safe pick here. They signed Trevor Story and trade for Sonny Gray. Agreed. Yeah. That's what has the most fire. We're most smoke right now. So where there's smoke, there's fire, blah, yeah. blah, blah. 
Yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Thank you, Bonner. Uh, let's move on to I don't know what to say at Dower Optimist. If the new <laughs> CBA creates an age-related free agency, does that create better trade opportunities for the Mariners, i.e. John Means turns 29 this year, and Cedric Mullins turns 29 on October 1st, 2023, and there were already rumors the Orioles were open to trading both prior to the lockout. So, basically, the question is, Colby, if these guys' free agency timelines gets get bumped up by a year or so, uh, and the club, club control naturally is lessened. Uh, does that help out the Mariners in, in uh, trade negotiations the rest of the offseason? I would find it pretty hard to imagine that Major League Baseball would just implement that and uh, you know not have there be some kind of grace period uh, because then a lot of people are are suddenly free agents, you know. So yeah, um, and they got to think about the team. Like, hey, you're 29, but you've only had this guy for two years. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, so I can't I, imagine that the owners would sign off on this because yeah, that I, is like, a pretty significant disadvantage for a lot of teams. Like you're talking about the Orioles here, two of their best players, yeah. and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of valuable major league assets right now. Suddenly, they're going to lose lose them in a shorter shorter amount of time. Like that's not going to. It's kind of the same uh, discussion that we've been having with the uh, the implementation of a um, international draft. Well, a lot of these times already have agreements in place with these with these kids, with these prospects that yeah. they're not just going to give that up suddenly. So I would think that that's something that maybe is agreed upon in the CBA, but isn't officially implemented until four or five years down the road. Yeah. And I to be fair, I am in favor of the age based free agency, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously if you come up before, you know, like let's say you come up at 20, you, they don't own your major league rights for nine years, you would get free agency in five years for me. That's what I would, uh, that's what I would kind of push for if I were the players, uh, five years of club control and automatic free agency at 29 and a half, I think is what they're, they're looking at right now. So, uh, I'm in favor of that. That's fine by me, but, uh, I, I don't think the owners are going to go for it. Um, because you know, they're, they're cheap. <laughs> they're greedy. I mean, let's just be honest about it. So, I just have a hard time seeing them go for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I don't see it either. Um, So to answer your question, uh, I I think eventually it gets implemented, but not to the point where it would help the Mariners right now. So Uh, thank you for the question, though. And uh, let's move on to Red Elfs at Red Elfs, who ask uh, M's average payroll uh, through uh, from. 2016 through 2018 was around 165 million a year. 2022 uh, payroll is around 81 million after after Robbie Ray. M's could sign the right giant bats, Freeman or Story or Suzuki, and uh, two starting pitchers like Rodon. Um, now, uh, now that puts them around 168 million, and M's are serious World Series contenders. What level of spending is reasonable to expect? I don't think it's going to be around 168 million, not this year. Um, Colby and I, when we've been doing our off-season plan um, uh, on uh, TrueToTheTrident.com, if you want to check that out, you can. We're also doing a, a 2.0 uh, second version during the lockout. Uh, we've been working around a, a budget about of about 130 million dollars. Um, so 
that still gives them quite a bit of money to play around with right now, but that does get eaten up by by story, etc. I I could see them going over that mark. I just don't see them at getting close to um, where they were pre-rebuild um, right. in one off season. I just don't think that's super realistic. Nor do they have to do that. And I mean, that's all another conversation that we have to have or that we can have. But yeah. and we have at- had. In the past, at some but point, you're just overall, spending money. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think that they're going to get there. It. No, yeah, I, I think to get to 160 million, you'd almost literally have to just spend money to say you spent it. Because I right now they're at about 80. I don't think there's 80 million dollars worth of moves they need to make. Um, because yes, they are going for it, but they're not going to block Kelnick. They're not going to block you know Julio long term. They have a lot of young pitchers they want to get through. Um, so they're not going to go. I mean, the the example. And you also on, want to have flexibility. If you understand right. that maybe like your cap, like your absolute salary cap within your organization is around one hundred and seventy million dollars. If Jerry Depoto knows that, he's going to want flexibility to to add to the payroll mid season and whatnot. Because this isn't the final product, and you don't want right. to get wrapped up into too many long term financial commitments. And it's going to bog you down, and then you're back to where you were with Cano and Cruz and Seager and Felix, et cetera, right. on the books, where you just you didn't have the money to to make anything happen. So, um, right. yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, take advantage of the of the young guys who aren't making anything right now, um, and don't don't even look at the payroll at the end of the off season. It will not matter what it is. Yeah. Look at the roster. Tell me it's better. Tell me if it's better or not. And that's the only thing that matters. The payroll is all window dressing, but uh, yeah, to answer your question overall, I think probably 130, 135 is probably where they start to really slow down on this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Save a little bit for next year because like, I don't know what if, what if you have Abraham Toro as your third baseman this year and he just, you, he can't hit. Now I have to go spend, you know, $20 million to get a good third baseman, but Oh, I'm at 170 million already. Like, how am I going to, then you have to trade other more expensive players to make, to accommodate that. So, uh, yeah, you keep the flexibility or you're going to have to trade off valuable assets to right. get a player at that position. Who's cheap and affordable. Right. And so right. that creates its own problems in itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing that they have to, you know, understand how to navigate and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I would long-term say probably one thirty. Yeah. Long-term financial planning. Not everybody's strong yep. suit. We'll see if Jerry can do yep. it. Um, all right, so let's answer uh, one last question um, before we uh, we hop off here, and it's going to be a quick one um, from Eli Sellers at Eli Sellers twenty four, who asks uh, best baseball game you've attended in person. My answer is very easy. It's uh, James Paxton's no hitter in Toronto. Colby. Um, yeah, for me, it's probably game one sixty one against Oakland in uh, twenty sixteen. I believe it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was back and forth game. I think they, they ended up losing that game eight to seven, but Ben Gamble had a big hit to tie the game in like the mm-hmm. eighth. Nelson Cruz had a mammoth home run uh, to straightaway mm-hmm. center field to give the Mariners, a I think it was a five to four lead at the time. Uh, there was a lot of electricity. They were still in the playoff hunt at that time. There was just a ton of electricity and a ton of, uh, you know, juice in that ballpark. It was a lot of fun to, uh, to be a part of. So the, uh, the Sean O'Malley game on King Griffey junior weekend, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, stadium chanting Sean O'Malley 
after a go-ahead home run in Sean the O'Malley. Yeah. Go-ahead home run in the seventh, I believe it was, and then he made a great play in the hole at shortstop uh, in the top of the eighth, and, and it was it was a lot of fun. So uh, probably those yeah. two games uh, really stand out. I like it. All right, so uh, like I said earlier in the show, we will reconvene on Wednesday to answer the rest of these questions that you've had and maybe talk about anything else that potentially comes up, kind of how last week happened, but um, probably nothing is is going to happen like that this week. Uh, Still probably quite a ways away from uh, lockout ending. Uh, I don't think that they're even uh, getting back together until mid-month, so um, yeah. So probably nothing going to happen on that front. So we'll just be uh, spending Wednesday's show answering the rest of your questions. We got a question from Jordan Levitt. We got a question from Alex Ledbetter. We got a question from Aiden. We got a question from MJFB80. And um, quite a few of those are uh, some pretty big topics. So I think think we'll uh, be able to... uh, Those will be better to actually handle on Wednesday because uh, I, I think they need more time for us to answer so um yeah so look forward to us uh, answering those on wednesday if uh, if you did ask a question um appreciate your uh, your patience on that front and uh yeah we'll, we'll uh, see you on wednesday so that's going to do it for our show today thank you so much for joining us here on locked on mariners for colby patnode i'm titan gonzalez be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now, in the meantime, while you're waiting for us to return on Wednesday, make your second listen of the day, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy, Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you on Wednesday. Peace.